Mac Power Users, Episode 287, Workflows with Brett Terpstra. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you today, Katie Floyd? I'm great, David. How are you? I am excellent. I'm so happy to have our friend Brett Terpstra back on the show. Welcome back to the show, Brett. Pleasure to be here. You know, every time Brett and I get on the phone together, even offline, it's always at least an hour and a half conversation anyway. So we figured let's just run a tape. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, before we get into the show with Brett, there's a a couple important Mac Power User related announcements. The first is we are uh, we are clothing you. Um, We have a T-shirt drive. So uh, you want to go check that out. We only have a couple more as this show goes live. I think it's only about another three or four days that it's going to be available. Right, Katie? Yeah, it's coming. It's coming to an in soon. So that's yeah. at teespring.com slash Mac power users. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, I think Katie's destroying me with the gray versus the green shirts, but the, as um, it should be. Well, you know, I have to admit I bought a gray one, so you didn't even buy one of your own green ones. <laughs> well, I wanted gray too. So it was, it was a kind of a joint decision on the gray, but uh, go check them out. We've never done them in the history of the show. And there a lot of people are buying them. They're great. You get to wear them out. Tell everybody that you're a Mac power user. It's kind of fun. So check it out and get one for the holidays. You know, get one for that special person. I know that uh, if I gave my wife one, that she'd probably be happy with that. She'd say, that's, you know, you're the best husband in the world. You don't need to get me anything else. She'd probably say something. I hope you bought Daisy one. Yeah. And then um, we also have a meetup, which is growing. uh, And that's going to be, boy, as this show goes live, um, we are just days away from our meetup. Uh, yeah, has the, yes, we are, we are just a, it's at the end of the week, actually. Yeah, so the show's going up a Sunday night or Monday morning, and, uh, it is, I believe. The 14th, our meetup's on the 14th at Big River Grill on the Disney Boardwalk. At 2 p.m. So, uh, and go, we've got a link in the show notes where you can go and sign up for it. Uh, no fee to, uh, to attend. You're going to buy your own booze. Katie and I are going to spring for some appetizers. And the uh, the the list keeps growing. So also, if you get on the list, make sure you watch your email. We may even end up moving the location if we get too big. But um, hopefully everything will work out and we will see you all in a couple days. Have I got have I got all the promotional matters covered? I think you've got all the promotional issues covered. So we're good now. Okay, excellent. So now let's get back to our nerdy friend, Brett Terpstra. How you doing, Brett? Bert, I'm good. How are you? Per Bert and Ernie. I think you called him Bert. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Brett. Brett. Hi. Hi. Brett. The, um, so Brett is the it's, mad scientist. You know, scientist. he's never been on the show before, so it's hard to get that confused. Yeah, this guy, this new guy, he's kind of weird, I heard. He, he I've writes never books. actually been on a podcast before. This is new for me. Yeah, he yeah. writes books with really strange people, and, you know, I'm not sure about him, but we're, we got him on anyway. Shady characters. Uh, Brett's known as the mad scientist of the Mac community. And I've always felt like uh, I can summarize Brett with one story. One time I had something going on. I don't even remember what it was. I think it was, I wanted to make text expander do something that it it technically wasn't, uh, wasn't able to do. And I emailed Brett about it and it was like nine at night uh, in California. I don't know what time it is in Wisconsin or Minnesota, Minnesota, right? Much later. Right. Yeah. Some other time in Minnesota, because we don't understand time here in California. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> like 30 minutes later, this guy sends me, it was a, um, a, a text expander snippet with some sort of a shell script you had 
written into it, you know, and, and it like solved the problem for me. And I was thinking, man, Brett is such a gem in the community. And if you haven't, you should follow him over at brettterpster.com. And we've said all this stuff before, and we're going to talk about some of the products Brett's selling, but he's also just really helpful. Uh, just last week, Brett, in fact, I've got a post going up on this later today at Max Barkey. Um, you did a post, uh, you updated your script to, to vacuum out mail.app and, you know, this is just a, an, a small example of the things that, that Brett does. It's a, um, it's, I think it's an Apple script, right? Right. It's, yeah. it's an Apple script that basically does something a shell script could do, but an Apple script makes it more accessible to yeah. the average mail.app user. Yeah. So you just open up the scripting uh, application on the Mac, you paste in the script that Brett wrote, and then you hit, hit uh, the play button there and let it run. And it goes through and optimizes the mail index. And if you've got a big mail, um, uh, database, it will run noticeably faster afterwards. I mean, I've got an OmniFocus thing where I go about every six months and run the script and you updated it with the newest version and it's really great and I love it. Thank you. You're welcome. So, Brett, last time you were on the show, I think you had just made the transition from having a day job and doing all of those things to going full time as an indie developer. So you could work on all of these fun side projects like the Apple script for vacuuming mail and your podcasts and all of those things. And it's it's been a little while now. It's been a little bit over a year. And probably a good place to start with this is just to kind of check in with you and ask, how's it going? Well, let's say I love the lifestyle and I'm actually pretty good at the whole like um, unstructured work schedule. I've had some um, medical issues, I guess. I talk a lot about this on Overtired, so I won't go into detail, uh, but you can find Overtired on ESN.FM. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes. But yeah, I've had a, a couple bad months and uh, being independent means you don't really have a fallback when you have a bad month. But uh, but overall, I'm I'm making it. I'm enjoying it. And I would have a really hard time going back to a day job at this point. Yeah, that, I had a similar experience when I had this. Um, And the listeners know I had a, a kidney stone issue, but it was like the kidney stone from hell. And for like about a month, I didn't get anything done. And it's weird because when you're when you're on your own and I guess this is obvious uh, you don't, if you don't work, you don't make money. And like, <laughs> you know, like my clients who had followed me out of a law firm, they're like, okay, so am I learning here that if I go with a solo practitioner, he gets sick, my work doesn't get done. So I wanted to make sure his work got done. But the whole month I was just running, barely able to get out of bed, but I was just getting everything done enough to keep up sort of, but you know, everything behind the scenes was falling apart. Diversified revenue streams are what have saved me. Yeah. Having like, say, apps for sale that don't necessarily require updates. Yeah. So I still have some income. That's uh, definitely a, a life saving tactic. If if I was if my income depended entirely on what I accomplished every single day, I would definitely be in debt and begging for a job right now. Yeah, it's because my wife and I were discussing it when we were going through that month. I said, you know, I'm not going to make much in terms of the legal stuff for this month because of my illness. But it was uh, and it's not that I'm getting rich off these books I sell, but I, you know, it's it's a little income. It's and um, and just that extra was really key for those those couple months that I was dealing with that. But you're but you're better now, right? Mm, sure. No. <laughs> 
No, but I, I am I am working my way back to fully productive. Okay. I would say I'm at 50%, but I'm better than I was a couple months ago. And so you got to give yourself a chance because one of the things you do when you have that happen to you is you've got this challenge of a lot of stuff got behind, right? Yeah. And so then what do you do? You have to, re- you have to prioritize what's the first stuff you get caught up on and and how did you go about <laughs> figuring that out? Well, for someone who has always been kind of considered not by myself, but by others, a productivity guru, I uh, I found out very quickly that I had a lot to learn. And I went back and read all the things from people like you and Mike Vardy and all of the uh, efficiency and productivity people in our community and uh, and started I, I use OmniFocus for most of everything. And uh, I, I basically mapped out where the primary revenue sources would be, not just today, but for the months to come and based my schedule on that. Yeah. Like there were a lot of projects I wanted to finish and that I felt responsible for finishing, but that would not pay my mortgage. So it was just a matter of sorting through and reviewing and figuring out what would keep me alive. And hopefully as you get better and kind of get that list checked off, you can make it down to some of the lower items. Oh, yeah. I'll get there. I am still struggling. I have, um, you know, when, when I came back, the first thing I had to do is take care of the legal clients. Second thing I had to do is take care of the show in terms of getting guests planned and shows outlined and things like that. Lower on the priority list is the is the email database and and to this day i'm i'm still i'm farther behind on feedback style email than i've ever been in my life and you know katie's been such a gem about not like just throwing knives at me because i haven't been carrying my load on that part of it but you just got to dig yourself out and it's like now i'm starting to get some of that email dug out but i'm still not 100 percent out i think i think part of it is you get Go ahead, go ahead. Katie. No, I was going to say, is, is there some point where you just say, and, and not directly in relation to the email, although maybe this is an example where it would work, you know, I'm just, I can't catch up on this. I've, I've just got to declare email bankruptcy or I've, I've got to let this go and, and start again. Yeah, well, f- or, for but, me, you know, with, the, with that or, or with something else or with another project and say, you know what, this project just has to get dropped. It's, it's beyond saving. It's, it's low on the priority list. It's got to go. Absolutely. I call it forgiving myself. I just like if something, if something weighs on my mind, but I know I can't do it. Like, and I know it uh, after, you know, three months, I'm definitely never going to get to it. I I let it go and I let people involved know, I'm sorry, I'm out. And then I can make the effort to forgive myself. I'm really hard on myself about flaking out on things. But, uh, but yeah, that is such a huge relief. It makes you capable of getting the more important things done if you're not constantly worrying about the things you're not getting done. So hard to say no, though. Well, but I think at the the same time, people are also going to be much more forgiving if you just tell them, look, I I can't I can't do this. This is what I can do. This is what I can't do. I mean, I I know I would so much rather someone say this is what I can commit to and deliver it. And then just not string me along on the other stuff, because I've been on the receiving end of of things like that from other people in the professional world. And uh, it, it's it's horrible. Just don't drag me along. Just tell me. Yeah, I learned I learned this from Merlin Mann. 
and uh, not because he talked about it or explained it, but because he just did it. And like there were a couple of times that I tried to involve him in a project and he he was able to just say, no, sorry, can't do it. No time. And like that was uh, for me a transformative experience. Oh, you can do that. Yeah. Right. Very cool. Yeah. And I've had to do that on a, on a couple of occasions and really worried about how is this person going to take this? Is this going to hurt our friendship? Are they, am I not going to get an opportunity again? Or are they not going to ask me back? And, you know, sometimes you hesitate about it, but it, it can really be the most freeing thing to go, oh, okay, that's off my plate. Yeah. Saying no yes. is to me one of the hardest things. There was just an article where um, they had interviewed Johnny Ive about you know, things he had learned from Steve Jobs, you know, with this movie out, everybody's trying to like say, well, was the guy more than just, you know, this relation with his daughter? Was there more to him than that? And uh, Johnny was talking about that he would come see him, I believe it was after lunch almost every day and say, what did you say no to today? And they would both try and impress each other by saying something bigger that they had said no to, <laughs> you know, and I'm sure guys like that can say to no to some pretty big things. Uh, but the whole point of it was, you know, by saying no, they were giving themselves the freedom to do something amazing with the other stuff they were up to. And um, I, I I don't know if it's a character flaw or if it's just maybe my own personal insecurity, but it is difficult for me to say no. And and I'm still, you know, like I'm still digging out from that illness because I I couldn't say no to some of those things. Been there. So, so what is hard about being this indie now? You know, there, I know there's some things that are new to you um, and where have you run into the rough patches? Uh, well, I mean, aside from everything we've already talked about, yeah. um, I guess uh, motivation actually has become uh, problematic for me when you have a day job and you have requirements and deadlines. Uh, it's pretty easy to just basically fall in line and get things done when you are working on more aspirational projects and products um it can be hard to focus and and actually and i i'm like i'm bipolar and adhd and that doesn't help at all yeah but i think anyone in this kind of uh position would you have to work to make yourself actually like give yourself deadlines and then stick to them because once you break your own deadlines enough time, they kind of become irrelevant. So I guess that would be my, my biggest downfall. Other than that, I mean, everything's kind of beneficial working on my own. I was talking to Jason Snell about this and, and I had kind of a different reaction when I went out because I, I'm saying yes to so many things because I want to make money to support the family. I'm just completely freaked out that somehow my kids are going to suffer because of me, you know, going crazy, you know, in my forties. <laughs> and, um, and so, boy, that, so I guess that kind of goes back to the whole saying no thing. <laughs> and, right. Uh, and I can relate yeah. to that, but I found this weird thing. My entire life, I've never cared about money. Beyond the extent where I don't want to be like figuring out which bills I'm able to pay in a month. Yeah. If I have extra money, I enjoy it. If I don't, I go back to work and there's no job I've ever been able to stay at no matter how much it paid if I didn't enjoy it. And it, like the money has been irrelevant to me. And that sounds kind of like Zen, I guess. But I think it's more that I'm just so scattered that I don't really care. I don't know, but you know, like in this position that I'm in now, some months I make three times as much as the average. 
you know, and then sometimes I make half my average and yeah, I don't really notice as long as the bills are paid. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 it works for me. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And, and like you, I can't, I cannot imagine myself going back to work for somebody after I've done this just a little bit. Yeah. Do you find at all that you miss the structure of a, a typical nine to five job? Because I, I also made a career change recently. And although I do have an office and places that I can go to, that you know, they don't really care. They don't really check in with me. And if I don't have anything to do that particular day, if, if nobody sees me, it doesn't really bother them. But, but I find that, you know, I get up every morning and I go in whether I necessarily have something to do or not, because I, I really crave that structure. And some days I go in and, and really just work on my own projects. And, and other days I, I go in and, you know, do more structured work at the office. Short answer. No, no, I, I don't. Um, well, but for, for 10 years before I became independent, I was a remote worker. Oh, okay. And I mean, so the difference between an office where you're visibly working or not working and an IRC channel where nobody, <laughs> nobody, nobody knows, knows if you're, you're working doing. or yeah. not. Um, like I'm, I was very used to that and I enjoy it way more because people aren't productive for eight hours a day and no. going into an office for eight hours and being, you know, examined how much did you do for every hour of this day? It, it was ridiculous to me. So the only thing I miss is, is having a team. Like I'm, I'm not a great team player. I've never gotten along well with other people, but having their feedback and their uh, energy was always uh, beneficial to me in a way I didn't realize until I was pretty much completely isolated. You have to get yourself into like some of these like nerd Slack circles or Twitter. I'm or in, something. I'm in 12 different Slack groups right now. And I find uh, I'm not, because we're not all working towards a common goal, it's just distraction to me. Okay. Yeah. I have a couple of Slack groups that are dedicated to projects that are currently happening and they help me stay focused because I feel responsible for being a part of them. But for the most part, that little red icon in my, the little red badge in my dock on the Slack thing, it's, it's just um, a distraction for me. Do you do anything at this point? I mean, do you, for, to try to get some of that, companionship or i mean i know you've got a lot of animals but do you are you kind of a coffee <laughs> coffee house worker or anything like that oh god Just no to, yeah no like actual human like meat world contact is completely unnecessary for me it doesn't change my <laughs> mood or temperament the fact that you call it meat world contact gives me a pretty good <laughs> idea what you think of it <laughs> it's a bruce sterling thing i think but um i uh b but the internet contact twitter facebook email Slack. Those things are important to me. And I do make a, a strong effort to use them, but contain them. Uh, like everybody, I could spend all day checking my social accounts. But I try. I started using Buffer, which makes it possible for me to pretend I'm using it all day. Talk, talk to me. What is I've had a lot of people tell me about Buffer recently. W what is that? What exactly does that do? Well, see, my personality, I tend to have these brainstorms of like 10 tweets that I consider worth mentioning all in like 15 minutes. And then I've expended my social outlet for the day. Buffer lets me just stick those all into a queue. And then on a schedule that I define, it shoots them out for the rest of the day, one at a time. And I can modify the order if I have a thought later. And 
If I realize that something was stupid, offensive, or misspelled, I can edit it before it gets sent out, uh, which has been very, uh, very good for me. So this isn't like a tweet storm where you do, you know, where it's where it's all a a, a coherent conversation. It's just no, random. It's the opposite. Okay. It spaces spaces out what could have turned into a tweet storm into an actual just like normal social person. Okay. Yeah, you know that seems like a feature that should be built into these tweet this Twitter applications. Uh, isn't it? And some of them can't you schedule posts? I think you can in TweetDeck, and you certainly can in TweetBot, because that's what I I sent out a call on Twitter that I was looking for ways to schedule tweets. Because you know, for example, we've got this this MPU live show that is well. By the time this releases, it it just happened. Um, and it's going to be released in the feed right after this show. But it, it always sneaks up on me. It's it's despite the fact that it's the first Saturday of every month, it always sneaks up on me. And I always mean to send out a couple of tweets beforehand to promote it. And so I was trying to find a way to schedule tweets. And, and people were suggesting both Buffer and TweetDeck were things that would do that. Yeah, I, I would. Well, see, Buffer, you can't like specifically say publish this on this date at this time. You can, you have a queue and whatever's next at, uh, based on your schedule at a given time, it's going to publish. But TweetDeck could probably do I, that. I think you can schedule with Buffer. Well, maybe. Maybe if you upgrade to Awesome, which it always asks me to do, but I don't because okay. I only need it to publish to Facebook and Twitter. So, yeah. All right. Who, who updates LinkedIn? Who does that? Nobody does. That. Well, I, people. <laughs> Actually, there are people who do that. You know what? There are people who make their living, you know, getting back to making money. Uh, you know, marketing to their network, their LinkedIn network. And I, I frankly, you know, I think that's the place to do that. I'd much rather have them doing that there than on in my Twitter feed or Facebook. So I, I, mean, I don't, I don't begrudge people that need to do that, but it, I, think, I don't begrudge them. I just don't know them. Yeah, exactly. In, in your type of business and, and most of my type of business, it's not something you would do. Um, yeah. But, but it sounds like you're doing okay. Yeah, no, I'm very happy. The um, I, you know, it's like the uh, <laughs> it, it really is a different world when you start working from home more, and um, it, you know, whether you spend time with your your wife and your animals or your children, it, it's just really nice being able to. I mean, just think about the time you spent. I guess this is more for me than you, so just bear with me. But you know, I used to get up, shower, put on the suit, drive to the office. It's like hours of the day every day that are like just a complete vacuum of productivity now he what? doesn't shower now he just you know yeah now i just roll out of bed and you'll in the, get past in the pajamas <laughs> you will i did that for the first year yeah and then i realized that getting up on a schedule putting on real clothes you know even if it's a pair of jeans instead of yeah. sitting in my underwear and i usually shower in the evening but having that kind of routine that i would have if i were going into an office it actually helped me uh, separate my work from my life oh, yeah. because for, for yeah. a year it was like I was working all day, every day and all night, half the time. Yeah. It's, and yeah, I get it. I, 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 I was just kidding. I'm sure David does shower. Yeah, but I do, I do like, like for me now I wake up in the morning and I garden every morning, like at See, 6 30 beautiful. in the morning. And then, and then I go in and shower and get started on work. But I, the, the part I'm still trying to figure out is when to stop. It's easy for me to just like work until I fall over into bed, you know. Yeah, see, I, I said a hard stop just in the last few months. I've started hard stop at 5 p.m. Yeah. Just like if I was getting, you know, paid a salary, I would stop at five. I, I always demanded that I have to I stop at five. That was part of my contract for the last 
like 10 years of my life. Yeah. Um, so I've gone back to that and I go and I cook and I hang out with the family, which are, you know, animals and my wife, but, uh, and having that separation, that hard separation, once I leave the basement and I go upstairs at 5 PM, it's evening and I'm relaxing and it's made me more productive during the day. All right. Well, we want to find out. We've been we've been talking about some of the hard parts. I want to hear about what you're liking about this. And I also want to start talking about some of your projects. But before we do that, let's just take a minute to talk about our sponsors. And the first one I'd like to mention is our pals over at One Password. Uh, one Password is one of the original sponsors of Mac Power Users. And we love the people over there. The, the application they make is amazing. You know, passwords are a real problem. And in 2015, it's more of a problem than ever because there's so many ways that the bad guys are trying to, you know, get into your secret data and get your credit cards and get all the other information you have online. One password solves that for you. It creates strong and unique passwords and it makes it easy for you to use them. At the most basic level, uh, one password makes it possible for you to have a different secure password at every website you log into. It syncs across Dropbox, so you've got it on your iPad, your iPhone, your Mac, your Android, whatever device you're using, they've got you covered. The people at 1Password, though, are really special because they're always trying to make the application better. It's a big team of really smart people, and they have this thing where they always make the software better and very, very rarely charge you for it. And the, the best example of that, most recent at least, is 1Password for Mac version 5.4. Just came out a, a, a week or so ago. It's called the Convenience Edition. That's kind of the code word for it. And they've got a bunch of convenient features they've added to 1Password. Like, uh, I don't know if you've got the new Apple TV or not, but you have to type in the passwords on the new Apple TV. And sometimes your, your iMac will be across the other side of the room and you want to see the, the password. Now one password will display your password in large type. If you ask it, I mean, it seems like a silly thing, but it's really useful. We had a, a friend over just recently and I wanted to give him the Wi-Fi password and I put it on big type on the screen and he was able to type it into his phone and I didn't have to sit there and read, you know, lowercase, blah, uppercase, blah, you know how the thing goes. Um, they've also added, uh, they've also, they've always had this feature called secondary vault where you can have secondary vaults. Now you can uh, be change the password on that. So it's not all tied to the one master password, which is really nice for power users. Um, they've got a new layout. It's called top layout. So uh, if you use the classic mail app layout where it's got the list in the right column and then the left column with the the mailboxes, you'll know what I'm talking about if you're if you've ever used that before. They have a layout very similar to that for one password now. And this isn't the default view. You still have the three column view that that it ships with, but you can switch to that top layout, which gives you the information uh, in a lot more dense layout. You can see more information that way. Um, they've got more security. You know, El Capitan fixed that. Um, Zara vulnerability. I don't know, Brett, do they call it Zara? It's X-A-R-A. I never heard it said out loud. So I'm going to say Zara. I say Zara. Okay. I don't know. I haven't heard it either. Apple fixed it and 1Password now works with it. So it's more secure than ever. And of course, all of this is free version 5.4. If you've got it on your Mac, you probably already have the update and didn't even realize it. But uh, some really great features by some really smart people. Uh, thanks, 1Password, for sponsoring the show. Everybody, you need to go check it out. Um, you can find it in the Mac App Store. You can go to their website. If you want to go get it to their website, go through the link in our show notes. That lets them know you came from us. And they have all sorts of smart bundles, like if you want to have it on your Mac and your Windows uh, machine at work, uh, they've got a bundle for you. No matter what you're looking for, they'll take care of you. Check it out. 1Password is a great sponsor and a great product. And you get a little discount if you use the link in our show notes. Yes, you do. You save some money. The best part. 
Uh, so, Brett, we talked earlier about, you know, kind of the challenges of, of working and being an indie developer, but what's the good part? I mean, what have been some of your, your greatest rewards of, of going solo? Um, there's a definitely a sense of fulfillment to <laughs> releasing a product all by yourself and yeah. having it succeed. Um, I, 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 I don't know, like launching the last Engadget launch. Uh, well, the last one went horribly, but the one before that, like it was great to be part of a team and to have a credit go to a team. But it's also really nice to to feel like you you succeeded entirely on your own, um, I guess. But I guess more than anything, the freedom is I'm 100 percent. I don't have to ask anybody if I want to take a nap or go for a walk or even go on a vacation. I I don't have a specific number of paid vacation days. Granted, I don't have paid vacation days. And granted, <laughs> I don't I don't have sick days uh, like paid sick leave and I don't have health insurance provided as part of my job. Uh, so there are, you know, uh, trade offs. But with that also comes kind of your own, your decision to make your own choices. And that that I've definitely enjoyed. And being <laughs> and most of the stuff that I do now was stuff that I was staying up all night working on before, in addition to my day job. So now I'm doing the stuff that was I was passionate enough about to stay up all night. I'm doing that full time. And that's obviously fun for anyone, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now you've speaking of things that you have shipped, you have been busy. Um, the. Um, let's start with with marked 2.5 and we've talked about marked on our show before uh this is an application you made how long has it been out about three four years it's been out a while now that sounds about right yeah so four years i think yeah so you know markdown became a thing you know everybody a lot of people are writing markdown there's a whole i wrote a book on markdown i mean there's just a lot of advantages to this format of writing text and it's something we did a whole show on it um it's just something that is quite useful to people who want to use plain text but include formatting and uh, while mr gruber created it for writing for the web in today's world where we're sharing text files to ios devices and other platforms it's I think it's much more useful now than it ever was when it was first created. But one of the problems with Markdown is that it's just plain text. So you don't get a nice preview of how things are going to look. So so Brett single handedly solved this problem for the Internet by making an application called Marked, M-A-R-K-E-D. And what it does is it links to an application that you, you write Markdown in and it gives you live preview of that text in full formatting. And sounds like a simple thing, but like a true Brett Terpster fashion, he just kept amping it up and making it better. I mean, it, it just this application does so much more than that now. You know, you can attach it to to Scrivener and see previews. I mean, there's so much you can do with it. And uh, then you came out with version two about a year and a half ago, I think, maybe longer. Not a year and a half sounds right. Yeah, I think. And then you just released a big update, version 2.5. Yeah. So how did you decide? I mean, you've got a successful product. How did you figure out what made the cut into 2.5? There are people who would argue that I have um, added too many features. Yeah. Um, And and I am. I am picky about what makes the cut. But I am also, Mark has always been kind of my uh, playground for text processing mad science 
Yeah. And, and, and it's, so it's a utility and it's like a Swiss army knife for text in a lot of ways. Right. And with each release, with each major update, I have tried to focus on a different niche of writers. And there, there are a lot of different types of writers out there. You have everyone writing uh, from like GitHub readme files to novels and EPUB books and uh, and everything in between. So I've tried at first I took care of the GitHub readme people and added full GitHub support and all kinds of programming, syntax highlighting and everything. This last uh, release, though, really expanded on um, stuff that uh, long form writers would need and want to use uh, and expanded the uh, like keyword highlighting and parts of speech highlighting added spell checking and grammar checking as an in-app purchase uh things i don't know it's a combination of very long form writer tools and more hidden tools for advanced users which there turned out to be a lot of in the markdown world well and i think this this update really one of the reasons i want to have you on the show is i feel like this update really talks to our listeners because there's a lot of people that that listen to our show who are academics or people who write books and i mean people we have a lot of long-form writers listening and um like for instance you added math jack support and like for the academic folks that's a big deal i added fully configurable math jack support with every possible configuration and the ability to add custom configurations and uh and and uh, OPML support with outline formatting for both APA and decimal formats. And that ties into uh, iThoughts and MindNode support. So you can actually work in a mind map and see the result as an outline as you work live every time you save. Yeah, that's um, that's nice. Yeah. So all of those features, both academic and long form. Uh, uh, so like late uh, LaTeX. LaTeX, however you want to say it. I'm not an academic, but I mean, you can basically work in a combination of Markdown and R and LaTeX and uh, and it's kind of an all purpose preview, no matter what editor you want to work in. So so give some examples, because for some people listening, they're still not going to be able to to understand. I mean, so this application is a tool that runs alongside a text editor. And uh, what are the types of text editors people are using it with? Um, you anything from like Vim and Emacs to multi markdown composer or IA writer and then Scrivener and Mars edit and, uh, uh you know, sublime text, TextMate. Uh, you can do is it, you can use it with text edit in plain text mode. Yeah. Uh, there's really anything you can edit text in. What it does is it watches text files both locally and on in your iCloud. And every time that text file changes, no matter how it was edited, Mark will update for the preview. I mean, it, that's that's the thing. I anytime I write text, I can open it up. I mean, short of like I've never used it with like a word processor, like pages or something, because it, it doesn't really make sense for that. But you can't everything, really. everything I'm writing, writing plain text in, which is for me a lot of things. Um marked has been just like this great tool and especially with these widescreen macs you can have both windows open at the same time and and one of the things i want to compliment you on is is the frequency that it updates when you first released it when it was 1.0 you had to you had to update it kind of manually to get it to say okay i've just made a bunch of changes to the markdown now show me the new preview um now everything just happens so fast yeah, I, I, how, how much work was that getting that done i, I don't even know how you would do that <laughs> 
There have been a lot of iterations. At this point, it digs directly into the root level file system changes and checks for the Unix level notifications of any change to the file. Uh, so it does update very quickly and notices even like an autosave before the autosave overwrites atomically, etc. Um, it's it's yeah, it's super uh, responsive to all changes. As doesn't, doesn't have to wait for this for OS 10 to recognize the change. Yeah. And the other thing that I like that you've done with this is I've been a fan of some of these. There's the growing crop of these grammar tools. And, you know, for forever, you know, we had like the Microsoft Word version of grammar tools, which which I never found that useful. But now uh, we've got things that are looking at things like, you know, frequency of used adverbs and word repetition and some things where I find holes in my own writing that I don't see um, where now the computers are actually helping me make a better final product. Um, most of the stuff that I've dealt with on those types of tools have been web-based for some reason for a long time. I think that's kind of where all that stuff got started. So I had some tabs, um, that I would drop stuff in, you know, on the web, like some text to check it against their tools. But now just about all that stuff I need is in, is in marked. And I yeah. didn't, I never saw that coming. I didn't know you were going to add that to the application, but man, that's well, nice. That was something that sprouted out of my own frustrations with the fact that you could only do that in web apps and that kind of made sense because in most text editors that would be just feature bloat yeah like most people don't need that um so it kind of made sense to separate it out but marked is separated out so it made sense to me to have that in marked yeah it's almost so, and for me like even if you don't want to write markdown having the ability to put your text into marked and just kind of run it through those filters is, yeah. is I mean, I, I know I, I'm not trying to do the hard sell here, gang, but it really is <laughs> a, a great feature and something well, that I use often. So thank and so you. So then yeah. I was I was using that frequently in combination with my text editor and using it to kind of proofread and grammar check. Yeah. And I got frustrated with the fact that I had to use the text editor for spell checking. And then all of my other, I mean, it analyzes reading time, uh, readability, fog index, and give you all kinds of statistical information, but it didn't check your spelling. So that's what one of the major things I fixed in 2.5. It now uses the OS 10 spelling grammar system, yeah, which is actually really hard to do with a web-based preview like Mark uses. Yeah. <laughs> but it does it now for $1.99 extra. Yeah. Because it was a whole lot of work. Yeah. And... And I know how hard you worked on this and um, everybody out there, if, if you haven't got marked, this is a good time to get it. If you have it and you haven't been using it, you really are in for a, a pleasant surprise. Go, you know, go get, make sure you get yourself updated and, and try it out because it's really great here. You'll have to put this in your show notes, but um, if you go to, oh, I just put it up today. Hold on. Uh, writer or writing. Right writersbundle.com yeah uh there is currently we put together a package for a bundle for um nanowrimo yeah and uh, you can get text the editor word counter from christian teats i think that's how you say his name i should probably ask him that at some point but yeah. divine dominion he did one of the original nvl forks um uh, he has an app called word counter that tracks your word count and and progress across any application and then you get mark two as well as a 30 percent off coupon for i thoughts x and 
a, a minimal writing guide and that whole package for twenty four ninety nine, and it's uh, it's a good deal, and it will go all through November. Wow! Yeah. yeah, that that is a good deal. We'll put it in the show notes. But if you just want marked, go buy marked from Brett, and then he'll get all the money. Sure, that's good too. Well, that's we- what I did. I I bought it from you. I didn't I, I didn't <laughs> hit you up for a code because I I I love what you do. I know how hard it is. Well, uh, all of the the features are exactly the same between the Mac App Store and the direct version. Of course, I make a little bit more on the direct version, but uh, there's feature parity and the in-app purchases are available on both. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we've got a lot more to talk to you about because you have many, many more projects. But before we do, let's take a quick break and talk about our next sponsor for this episode. That is the tool that I use every single day, our pals over at SaneBox. Uh, what SaneBox does is it allows you to bring order to the chaos that is your inbox. It's kind of like the Borg Queen in that way. So what SaneBox does, start you off on training wheels, is the first thing it does is it connects up to your email service. So it will connect to anything. It will connect to Exchange. It will connect to a mobile me, uh, mobile.mac, whatever account, whatever it is today. It will connect to one of those accounts. It will connect to a Gmail account, whatever you got. It will connect up to it. And then it will start going through and taking a look at your email. And the first thing they're going to do is they're going to give you a sane later folder. So it's going to take the email that's really important based on people that you email frequently or people that are in your address books or your contacts. And it's going to keep that in your inbox. So your inbox is going to stay with only what matters. And then everything else is going to get filtered into the sane later folder. So you can deal with it later. And then if it filters something that's important to the same later folder, you fix it, you put it in the inbox and it learns. It's going to get smarter as it goes along. Then it's going to give you something called the same black hole, which means if you've got someone or a spammer who keeps emailing you and you can't seem to get off their email list, no problem. Drag them into the drop black hole. They will never come back ever again. And then once you get the hang of that, you can really start upping your game with SaneBox because you can start using some of their other features like the snooze feature, which is great for deferring emails until you have an opportunity to get back to them. Maybe you can't deal with that email that's in your inbox right now, but you don't want to forget about it. So you can snooze it until maybe the next business day or the weekend, or maybe when you get back from your vacation. And you know that that email is going to pop back into your inbox so you don't forget about it, but you don't have to look at it right then and there when you know you can't do anything. Uh, You've got Sane Reminders, so you can uh, copy emails to like one week at SaneBox.com. And if your receiver doesn't reply, SaneBox will say, hey, you you didn't get a response to this. You may want to check it out. And there's a brand new feature that SaneBox just rolled out. I've been on the beta and I believe it it is now available as, as the show releases to everybody. It's called the Sane No reply feature. So this is another smart folder within SaneBox that you can look at all of the emails that you've sent that you haven't received a reply to. So it's a smart way to see what emails have you got out there that you're still waiting on replies and you can go through and, and figure out who you need to follow up with yourself. Um, so SaneBox is a great service. It does much more than filtering. It can help you deal with your attachments. It can save them off to other cloud services. Uh, it it is the single best thing that I have done uh, to get a better handle on my email. Email used to be such a frustration, and it's just not with SaneBox anymore. They've got various pricing plans that start as low as $4 a month, and they've got a 14-day free trial. You know what? It took me two days, two days before I completely bought in to the SaneBox system. So if you want to get started, go over to SaneBox.com MPU. That's going to get you started on your, your trial. And... If you decide to sign up, you can save on any SaneBox plan 
um, that, that you sign up for by using that coupon code. So go head over there, check them out. And thanks to SaneBox for their great support of Mac Power users. You know, Brett, in addition to your uh, work with Mark, you've also got another text-related product that a lot of us nerds are using, and that's NVAlt. And, um, mm-hmm. and not familiar with it. <laughs> Notational Velocity Alt or NVAlt, you can find it on Brett's website. We'll put a link in. And it's a really simple, it, it's, a, it's a fork of Notational Velocity. Right. And um, it's just a really powerful tool to keep lots of little snippets of text. Like I keep in it, like I have all bits of little form text I use in the legal side. I have little things I'm working on for Max Barkey. And I just want a bit, you know, maybe I want a couple paragraphs. Maybe I want one sentence or maybe I've got a thousand words, but I've got all these little buckets of text and NVAlt makes it very quick to do that stuff. Now, NVAlt you've never charged for, and it's been out for a long time. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people using it. And I know that, um, you know, at some point when you get, you get this, um, you know, so, so everybody out there already knows Brett's a guy working, you know, from his home. He's not a big startup with millions of dollars in the bank. Um, so he can't afford to just keep updating it forever for free. And there's a lot of like feature requests that people have been asking that you want to ask the ad that are going to take time. And I know you've, you've got something you've been working on that. Can we talk about that a little bit right now? Sure. Yeah. So, so what is, what's going on with NVAlt? Well, let's see. I have a version of NVL running locally that really should have gone out about a year ago. Uh, but like you said, <laughs> I've had more profitable things on my plate. Uh, but it is actually fixed for modern operating systems working great for me on El Capitan and uh, fixes a bunch of those things. I just need to get that sent out to everyone. It'll be the last update to NVL. Um NVL was based on notational velocity, as you said, which was GPL3. And there was no way with with the amount of notational velocity code that NVL uses, which is the vast majority of NVL, uh, there's no way I could ever charge for that. So uh, David Halter, known as Elastic Threads, we yeah. combined our efforts into NVL uh, a while back. And now we are embarking on a replacement, a commercial replacement, ground up rewrite subfolders, uh, all the goodness of NVL with some things that we couldn't add in before because of the legacy code in uh, NVL, better tagging, uh, system integration, and things like that are all very close to finished. And David Halter is one of those people who has been very forgiving of my own (laughs) um, uh, lack of uh, ability to complete my tasks like we were talking about before. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate his forgiveness greatly, but, uh, but that is getting very close to beta stage right now. And it'll have all the markdown preview goodness that NVAlt came with, as well as, uh, text file based storage, uh, the ability to work outside of current folders, and then a bunch of stuff that I'm not going to divulge yet, but it is very cool. It's, it's going to be even yummier. And then, uh, and there's not going to be an iOS app, right? It's just going to work with iOS apps. It will work with iOS app, but I'm not discounting the possibility of a cross-platform yeah. version. I, I hope you do a cross-platform version. Uh, frankly, I like the idea of just having it all wrapped up with one developer. Um, well, and I'm considering uh, an iOS version of Marked now, too, because with the advent of iOS 9 and the, abil- the like the extensions, yeah, 
and the iPad actually, Pro. <laughs> you could, right. Yeah. Exactly. I could make it possible to, in any editor, pop up your Markdown preview just by using a send to marked. And that could be actually useful. I never considered Markdown iOS terribly useful before. Now well, I do. Now you need to do that. I want I want that, Brett. <laughs> now, now, what do you think of, because I'll tell you, I'm going through a little bit of a crisis right now because... My um last year I went on a spirit quest to to find a new way to manage text. I went through, I tried, you know, um, you know, Evernote. I tried all these different services and everything, and I ended up back with Envy Alt and and plain text, which I was where I should have stayed from the beginning. <laughs> um, but the uh, but I have been playing with the Notes app and the new iOS nine and El Capitan, and Apple did I think a really good job with that application and the sync is really solid and I mean there there's some nice things in there um it's missing it's missing tags uh and like the which is baffling yeah and and on the especially since they added a whole tagging system to the mac which you know why didn't they implement that yeah. and the like on the mac the text size is ridiculously small and maybe this is a middle-aged guy talking. Um, but, you know, there, there's some things there that, like, you, you want to smack your forehead, like, how come this didn't get fixed? But but a bunch of it's really, really strong. And, um, you know, what do you think of, of Apple getting into the, the fray of these type, types of buckets of text uh, applications? I have always been of the opinion that if it works for you, stick with it. Um and I tell that to people who want to stick with Evernote. There's nothing wrong with Evernote if you're willing to invest entirely in the Evernote ecosystem. Same with Notes. Like, it, it because it's cross-platform, because it's on all of your devices, maybe it doesn't matter to you that you can't access all your notes from, say, your text editor. Yeah. Uh, for me, having my notes stored in plain text format means I can take them anywhere, edit them in anything on any device, any platform. Even on like a PC Junior from 84, I can do that. Yeah, it gives you more um, flexibility. 100% flexibility, which I've never been willing to sacrifice to get back into a dedicated ecosystem like like an iCloud note system or Evernote. As there are, you're right, there are some great things in notes. And if that's all you ever need, do it. You know, it's it's a great app. I think that the the what i'm working on and even nb alt as it exists compete fine with it although lack of uh rich text support and images is a downside to any text-based system because yeah. for a lot of people that is a very important part of their note taking for yeah. me it's never been yeah and it seems when i get that it seems to me like notes really is more of a direct competitor to evernote than it is to a plain text system yeah, um, I would agree with that. But the um, either way, I, I get a f I get the feeling uh, talking to you and knowing what what you are and, and the quality of the work you produce that we're about to have some really great options for a plain text system that we haven't had before. And uh, we'll talk about it on the show when it comes out. Um, but I, when we were talking about having Brett on the show, one of the things on Twitter, several people asked is, you know, what's going on with NVL? So question is answered. Don't have anything for you yet, but. Pretty soon, something's going to be out there, sounds like. We have a domain registered. We have the app registered for both App Store and Dura. It's coming. Good. It's happening. Good. Yeah. I know Good. I know another project that you're working on is uh, Dear Abby column or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. That's not quite it. But uh, you're working on a, a subscription-based newsletter that's basically, you know, Brett's going to answer all of your questions and solve all your life problems. Yeah. 
It is actually the tag in my email for for uh, questions I get is Dear Abby right now, for lack of a better name. Okay. But uh, I'm calling it Dear Abby for nerds. Yeah. Now, is that up and running or is it coming or? Not yet. Okay. Uh, I've been I've been accepting. Basically, I'm going to I get questions every day and some some people turn into consulting clients for me and some people just have random questions. And if it's a one sentence answer, I'll go ahead and answer it. But the longer ones I've generally saved, maybe turned into a blog post or said, I don't have time to answer this for free. But I also have been doing uh, subscription support on my blog and people who do offer me, you know, three to twelve dollars a month never got anything extra. It was just a way to show support. So this is something that I'm setting up. Uh, It's not a paywall per se. And the the answers that go into the newsletter may show up on the blog a few months later. But for people who want uh, like current questions and answers i'm basically turning those emails i get into uh, a dear abby response column and i'll be sending out regular updates to all of the subscribers and anyone can ask a question but only the subscribers will get the immediate answers so i think it's uh there's a lot of interest i've been getting a lot of questions a lot of people are uh submitting their ideas for that and i'm looking forward to pulling it all together now, how right. are you of, setting that up? Just are you using? A, you mean? Are you using an online service? Or are you making yeah, something I'm yourself? Or a, a combination of memberful and Mailchimp, more than likely. That's where it's at right now. The uh, Brett. One of the things we always talk about, and it's time for the 2015 update, is you know the state of tagging because that's one of the things you're the guy on. But yeah. Before we do that, uh, let's talk about our sponsor, Gazelle. We're so happy to have Gazelle as a sponsor of the Mac Power users. Uh, Gazelle is the trusted online marketplace for buying and selling used electronics. So if you've got old devices, you can trade them in for cash. Or if you need a new uh, pre-owned device, you can buy it from Gazelle as well. Uh, Go to gazelle.com and you find your device. You put it in, you get an instant quote. We had had it recently in the Sparks house because I've decided I'm going in for the iPad Pro, which was really a never- a question if you ask Katie Floyd. Nope. Um, and the, um, so I'm going in and I'm going to sell my iPad Air 1. And um, so I, I went, I got the quote. It's 180 bucks. I'm going to get back for it. I went, you want to do that in Gazelle early. Go do it right now before the iPad Pro comes out because the prices will go down as they get more of these in stock. And um, and as I was doing it, my daughter says, oh, dad, I have an extra iPad in my room. <laughs> and I'm like, what? How did you have an extra iPad? <laughs> These things and, are just know, lying around the smart. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what? what it's been there for a year. It's, it's her iPad, too. At some point when I got the new iPad Air one, you know, we did the cycle and somehow I forgot. Because I always sell the one that pops out the bottom of the Sparks family, you know, whenever we do this. And I forgot. So it was a second generation, 32 gigabyte. And I just looked it up on Gazelle yesterday and I'm going to get $75 for it. I had a $75 bill just sitting in my daughter's drawer. I'm so happy that I'm going to be getting this extra money because I'm going to spend a lot of money buying my new iPad Pro. Uh, so I, I'm selling the, the the new iPad, the old iPad and getting some more money towards it. And all this is done through Gazelle. When you put it in, you tell them the condition of the device. They send you a box. It couldn't be easier. They even give you the piece of sticker that you put on the outside of the box to seal the box. You don't have to meet somebody in a dark alley off Craigslist. You just put it in, you send it out. And I always tell them I want it as Amazon credit, and then I get extra 5%. 
And um, because they give you the Amazon basically spiff, they give it to you. And it's just a great way to sell your used products. If you've got a drawer full of old electronic gadgets, especially if they're Apple gadgets, uh, you should get on Gazelle right away and get some money for those things. And not only can you sell things, you can buy things. And with the, you know, the holidays are coming. It's a great way to buy. Like if you want to get an iPad for someone in the family, um, maybe get them a certified pre-owned iPad. Maybe you'll get my iPad Air One, which is going into Gazelle. Um, the uh, so you can go in there and get them and get a discount on them, much cheaper than going to Apple to buy them new, and and they're in great condition. Uh, I I bought my my six, what is it? My iPhone six S. No, what did they call? It? Anyway, the, I bought you it. You got I, the plus, didn't you? Yeah, I got the yeah, I got the six plus. It was before the S. I got the six plus from Gazelle. Uh, you can buy uh, devices there if if you have one that breaks and you don't want to go pay full price at Apple. It's another great way to go get a pre owned one there. They're uh, quality people. Uh, they give you good prices whether you're buying or selling. And because you're buying it through Gazelle, you know it's in good condition, and uh, and they they go through a process where they check them out before they send it. So you're not going to get something that doesn't work in the mail. Um, it's it's a great way to go. The online offers are free. Just find your gadget, answer a few questions, and you get a price quote. And the payments are fast. So so get used to um, making some money off these old used electronics in your drawer. Trade them in for cash or buy certified pre-owned. Visit gazelle.com today. And when you go there, they've got a little form when you fill out when you make your purchase or your sell. Tell them you found out about it through the Mac Power users. You have great sponsors. We do. Do you know I worked for Agile Bits for a little bit? Yeah, I did. Just, I just did. long enough to have met the people there and know that I absolutely 100% trust everything they do. Well, it's like every time I meet them, they're like so much smarter than me. Like the guys they have doing the encryption and stuff. It's like, I feel like this guy could probably like solve the global energy problem if he put his mind to it, you know? And he's a really good password manager. Yeah. But, and he's putting all that to protecting my passwords. I, 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 you know, I, I say, I think about that every time I do that ad read about how smart those guys are. I hope you work. Same box. I yeah. I use crazy. Yeah. yeah. I hope you worked for well, them long used... enough to go on one of their retreats because they have the most awesome. That's how I met them all in person. Yes. Yeah. They have in the, the most Dominican Republic. Awesome employee retreats. I need to go work for them for a yes, while. Yes, they do. <laughs> I recommend it. I'll be it's like, Katie like, no, Floyd, I'm, General Counsels. I'm just here for the <laughs> retreat. Right. Thank you. The board queen of Agile Bits. Yes. There you go. <laughs> All right, we're getting. Anyway. I didn't mention it. I didn't mention it, but um, the thing that I love most about Sanebox is that it does things that I would usually use smart mailboxes for, but they automatically work everywhere. Yeah, it's on the server, like, so it shows up on your I, iPhone. I could never have smart mailboxes on my iPhone, so that made everything work everywhere for me. Yeah, it's great, and they're always adding new features. But we, we, I don't want to drag it out but the uh it is a great service speaking of the um, board queen i just want to mention i am aware of the new star trek series we'll be talking about that on a later episode yes i'm getting a movie katie's getting a tv series everybody's happy media for everyone but uh moving on tagging we're going to talk about the state of tagging i'm still not tagging is anybody i mean i know you guys are tagging but are normal people tagging has it taken off has apple done anything I mean, I'm, this is why I'm worried about your you using the Notes app, David, because I feel like Apple does this. I feel like they throw these things out there and say, here you go, and then never do anything with them again. And I'm a little worried that tagging is one of those things. Well, I, 
they haven't <laughs> it hasn't progressed much since well i mean it, it's it works across ios and mac which and, is impressive in answer to the question is anyone using it well, I know i'm going to say no yeah uh, yeah i am you guys because are. i'm i've been working on a book about it for years now and my system has to keep changing constantly to be useful and thus my book keeps getting rewritten and I'm getting frustrated with the fact that Apple did add iCloud tagging and they added finder tagging and then failed to sync it all up. It's com- it's still a useless feature on the iPhone and, and it's usable in very few places. And at this point in history of computers, tagging on one machine and not having it work on another makes it uh, a futile prospect. Yeah futile not futile not like a like a futile system but you know what they say about resistance <laughs> futile efforts <No. laughs> it's the surf of uh of features yeah, exactly i do think there's great potential for it and i think it would be extremely useful and i have a ton of systems to share i just i, I need support from apple i need to see that it's going to be a future-proof system as we often thought it was a few years ago well i'm concerned it, 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 there's not much talk of it and um there is not and, and what how are you dealing with it on ios if at all you say that there's some ways to make it work but not many well like uh icloud if you like icloud drive their indications the secret that app, will, you mean <laughs> yeah there are indications there's a there's an, a tag search panel in there that presently doesn't do much yeah. Um. And then if you're in an iCloud save dialogue in certain apps, uh, you can search and sort by tags. But because of the kind of sandboxing, the way that iCloud has traditionally, you only see files from the app you're working in. Yeah. That kind of unless you have a ton of uh, documents in one app, not as useful as what I use tagging for on OS 10. Now, in, in the uh, preferences on iOS now, you can enable an iCloud application. Yes. Have you tested it in that application? I haven't, so I don't know. That's that's the one I'm talking about that has, you know, yeah. uh, a tagging, like an empty tag panel. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a start. It shows that they're still thinking maybe they'll do it. But I don't have full confidence in that anymore. Well, the fact that notes, the notes, and we already covered this ground, but the fact that the notes application does not have tagging support and instead has subfolders. Yeah. Um, or it could have had both, but it just, it does not have tagging, um, which seems to me like would have been a poster child for tagging. Can I tell you what I think happened? Yeah. Like the idea of eradicating the file system, the whole like subfolders and, and an actual file on the desktop idea started with next. Yeah. And it started with jobs. And, and I've seen like we, all this hope that I had for the future of tagging kind of started dwindling when Steve Jobs passed away. And I think that he may have been the force pushing to further remove the file system. And then once he was gone, everyone's like, oh, but folders and subfolders are so much easier. We'll just leave iCloud like that. Yeah. And they they did that theory. They definitely moved more to kind of like a traditional finder or Dropbox type of model where now you get a big pile of folders, you know, in your it's iCloud. It's an impediment drive. to progress. 
Yeah. The, um, we're, I, we're still using a file cabinet system on our computers. I, I find it hard to imagine Steve Jobs being in a meeting advocating tagging, but you know, maybe, or maybe well, it see, was wasn't just, directly tagging though. He was, he was advocating the idea of removing the user, the visibility of a hierarchical fire file system from the user. Yeah. Which is what, I mean, it's what OS 10 has done. OS nine, even uh, it's what they've done all along is work towards that. Yeah. And then kind of started pulling back from it. Yeah. I keep ending sentences in an upward inflection and I'm starting to sound like a, like a San Francisco startup CEO. And that's, it's driving me nuts. Well, what are we going to do about that? I don't know. Uh, have you got two, have you got a day phone and a night phone? <laughs> you have, a, <laughs> you have, um, uh, are you driving a Tesla now, Brett? What's going on? <laughs> I wish the, um, uh, I agree. I, I don't know where we're at with it. I can tell you what I'm doing with tagging is like, I've got some categories of tags. Like one of the things that I do is I have this Hazel system that always files bills for me. And one of the, one of the problems I had with that automation is sometimes there's a bill that I actually need to see again. Like I need to write a check on it or see it for payment or something. So I, I made an Apple script to create an OmniFocus task, but I also, use hazel to tag it with a you know like a, an attention tag and then i can just go check those out and find her I, I so i'm finding these little like pockets of use but i'm i'm definitely not doing the full boat you know this is all the legal stuff gets the legal tag and the you know the smith matter gets the smith tag i i've never gone that deep into it so See, and i am but i i'm starting to feel really bad about suggesting that anyone anyone else follow in my footsteps right now well, uh, not bad, but but hesitant. Well, let's see what happens. And next year we'll have you back and maybe things will be better. Let's hope so. Um, we have um, we're going along in time and there's a lot I want to cover. Um, one question I've wanted to ask you, and I'm sure some listeners want to ask it, but we're going to keep this short is, you know, a lot of our listeners are people who are really good at what I would call application based automation, like Hazel, uh, Keyboard Maestro, uh, Text Expander, those types of applications. But but the what you know you do is a lot of times is you write custom scripting and uh, shell scripts and things like that. Where if someone wants to go to that next level, they want to go to the next you know level of black belt or whatever. Um, what are some good places you would go? I'll, I'll tell you one right now is you did a you and Ryan Ireland together did a shell scripting series, which I already put in the show notes. Uh, some screencast showing you how to do more with the terminal. Um, but what are some other things you would recommend? Well, um, for me, the path was I had problems I wanted to solve, so I would figure out how to solve them. And in the process, learned the tools necessary. Yeah. If uh, it's to to jump into it and say, I just want to learn how to do this is kind of a big <laughs> because there are multiple languages you need to know. There are multiple technologies you have to learn to incorporate. and the easiest thing to do is come up with a problem you need to solve and then start researching the ways that you can solve it. And honestly, scouring GitHub for existing projects and then disassembling them is the way that I personally learn. Like I can't, I don't learn well from watching videos and I like we Majingo, uh, Ryan Ireland and I put the video series together because it turns out a lot of people do learn that way. But for me, it's it's always been look up the problem that I'm working on at the time. Well, but what about so you know, presume or that we are not um, 
uh, programmers and mad scientists like you. And and these are people who have a little knowledge of Apple script. Maybe they they understand that there's other languages out there. You know, there's regular expressions. There's all these things going on. I mean, where do you start? I mean, if you had to pick one, where would you start now? <laughs> I'll admit that I've been asked this uh, many times over the last few years, and I've given a different answer pretty much every time. Because yeah, um, I feel I feel like Apple Script. It's hard for me to recommend people learn Apple Script. I oh, learned don't don't bother Le- learn JavaScript for automation at this point. Yeah, I learned Apple Script, and then I got a copy of Hazel, and I stopped using Apple Script. You know, yeah, I avoid Apple Script whenever possible. Okay, so it's it's an impossible thing to learn because every app that you try to automate is going to have a different dictionary and different syntax, and you can spend three hours figuring out how to do it in OmniFocus, and then try to automate Mail. And have to learn it all again. It's yeah. frustrating. So, so what? So, where would someone uh, just? Uh, do you have any recommendation of where someone can start? I would start by uh, Python. I guess I would say get there are some great intro courses for free on the internet, and I can send you some links. But I would pick up some Python because a lot of what I've found the most useful is text processing. Yeah. Even even working outside of plain text notes and things, uh, being able to run a regular expression or turn a string, especially if you're working with services in OS 10, which are extremely useful um, and you can build them right in Automator now. Yeah. Um, and services can run shell scripts, so it can be a bash script or a Python or Ruby, whatever you need it to. And learning those basic skills. I learned Ruby uh, because it was more in vogue at the time I started solving problems. Uh, I've I've started to learn Python over the last couple of years, but either one, the either one can do the kinds of things that I consider the foundation of building those fun services and those fun utilities. And even I mean, I have Hazel apps that run or Hazel scripts that run those shell scripts. So yeah. I would say a foundation in Ruby or Python would be probably the first place I would start. Excellent. And and I'll look at and send me your links and I'll look as well and we'll add some to the show notes. Good. Good hey, uh, we're going to do our last sponsor and then I want to come back because you love you both simultaneously love and hate the new trackpad and keyboard. <laughs> I want to hear about that. And I also want to hear about some of your favorite apps. So um, but let's do our last sponsor first. Yeah, our last sponsor for this episode is Squarespace. And if you head over to Squarespace.com and enter offer code MPU at checkout, uh, you can get an additional 10 percent off. So as you know, Dave and I are both big fans of Squarespace. We both use Squarespace for our own sites. And I've recently used Squarespace. Uh, to put together the new firm's website. And David, I know you recently used Squarespace to put together uh, your firm's website for your day job. And that's because when it comes to giving yourself a place online, uh, Squarespace gives you all the power you need in your hands to to put together a great place, but you don't have to worry about any of the little details. You don't have to worry about hosting. You don't have to worry about scaling. You don't have to worry about, you know, what happens if the database behind it goes bad and who's going to debug that and what are you going to do? Do you have to worry about backups or anything? Uh, Squarespace is going to take care of all that. They're going to help you build a site that looks professionally designed, regardless of your skill level, no coding required. They've got intuitive, easy to use tools that's going to make your website look professional, and you can tweak it to get it exactly how you want. Their state-of-the-art technology is going to make sure that your site is secure and stable, and it's been trusted by millions of people in some of the most respected brands, including MaxBarkey.com and KatieFloyd.com. Some of the most respected brands in the world, David, right? 
Exactly. Yes. The most respected. The most respected brands in the world. Uh, so you start with the templates. They're, they're all stunning. Uh, they all feature responsive design. So they're going to look great on any size device, whether it's an iPhone, whether it's an Android device, whether it's an iPad Pro or a Mac. Um, and uh, you can completely customize those designs to your heart's content. Uh, and if you want to get any deeper with that, they've got a whole development platform uh, where you can get in and turn all kinds of knobs and whistles that, that you didn't even know were there. Um, and if you run into any trouble, if you need some help, uh, Squarespace has got a lot of help. They've got a 24-7 uh, support team via live chat and email. Their team is located in New York, Dublin, and Portland, so all around the globe so they can help you. And if you want to sell stuff on your site, well, Squarespace has a built-in commerce platform. They can do that too. They can take care of credit card processing and building and creating a store and all of those fun things. So if you just want to get set up and get a new site, uh, just check them out. Plan start at just $8 a month um, and no credit card required to get started with your free trial website today. So you can head over to squarespace.com, start your free trial website. And when you decide to sign up, uh, make sure you use coupon code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for Mac Power users. We want to thank Squarespace for their support of this show and for all of Relay FM. Squarespace, build it beautiful. You know, Brett, one of the reasons I like talking to you is that you are a fellow brother in the uh, the illustrious brotherhood of BTT. Yes. Yeah, better touch tool. Now, uh, I, I mention it occasionally on the show. I haven't really given it the attention it deserves. It's this great little application. It's free, although the developer has some paid for stuff. He's like Brett. He has this disease where he wants to give everything away. Um, <laughs> but and he puts all of his time into better touch tool and probably does not get nearly enough donations for it. Yeah, yeah. And but it, what it does, it, whether you've got a trackpad, a magic mouse, a, a laptop with a trackpad or even the brand new magic trackpad 2 or I guess it's just the magic yeah, it's a magic trackpad 2. Um the uh he he adds all this functionality to it. So you can add special things. Like I was telling Brett before the show started, I bought one of the new magic trackpads and I've now cuz it has a force touch available. I'm really happy because I can force touch the lower left corner and the active app uh, split. It resizes itself to the left half of the screen or I can force touch the right lower right corner and the active app um, resizes itself to the right side of the screen. So I'm sitting at my iMac. It's very easy for me to move apps to the left or right side of the screen and have two up at the same time. And it it's totally changed my game in terms of quickly getting windows sorted out. And and you're you're telling me, oh no, I can't use the magic trackpad because of better touch tool. Well, I, I, I it requires readjustment. Yeah, uh, my problems with the keyboard are more uh, showstoppers. My yeah, problems with the magic get to the track- keyboard in a second. Let's right. talk about the trackpad. But, but but the magic trackpad I love and will adjust to. It's just going to require rewriting a lot of my better touch tool gestures. Because it's so sensitive, a lot of the things that I would normally use multiple taps for end up causing clicks when I lay my finger down. Yeah. And I need to I need to become, I guess, more gentle with my trackpad. Not so aggressive with the tip tap. Yeah, the tip tap. And I I have so many like for me, uh, uh, starting from the index finger, one, two, three, four over to pinky. Yeah, that that's what moves my windows to half right and then pinky to index finger moves them to half left. Oh, and just like drumming your fingers. Yeah. Oh man, that's so smart. How come I didn't do that? Palm press on the lower right corner of my trackpad yeah. closes the current window. 
Yeah. Yeah. I have a ton of those. Um, but the tip tap ones, like if I hold down index and middle and then tap my ring finger, that switches tabs to the right and then uh, middle and ring and then tap index switches tabs to the left. And that's a gesture I'm really used to. But on the new trackpad, I keep every time I put down the first two fingers, it's doing it. as you go to pivot the third finger, you, you apply weight without thinking about it. Yeah. And then I end up right clicking right before I try to switch tabs. And that's that's on me because I think the the new trackpad actually has a lot more flexibility and is a lot nicer. Well, it adds a, a new dimension with the force touch. Yeah, a new dimension and new dimensions physically, which I really appreciate. Yeah, it's neat yeah the adjust. fact that it's dimensionally the size of a screen, a widescreen, right. kind of makes sense. Uh, but but I, I think it's interesting to me, a better touch tool almost should be, yeah, this is one that Apple should write somebody a big check and buy that. Although, you don't, you know, sadly, they probably wouldn't. They'd just Sherlock it. But the, um, <laughs> but you know, the ability to add kind of power features like force touch in general, like the, they call it 3D touch on iOS. And if you've got it, if you're out there and you've got the new iPhone 6S, you, you've been playing with it. It's really nice. And on iOS, we, we really could use a new, interface you know we we could use another way to interact because there's only so much you can do with your finger on a piece of glass um on the mac in my opinion we already have the double tap we already have the right click tap or you know the context tap we already have multiple clicks so apple ships these um they put they put force touch on the laptops and now they've got it on this new magic trackpad too but they don't really answer the question of what we're supposed to do with it. I know they have the the cute video where you're in QuickTime and you can speed up, but you know, for day to day usage, it almost never gets used because it's in the hands of developers now to add that functionality. Whereas Better Touch Tool makes it possible to add that functionality yourself to any app. Yeah, and so Better Touch Tool is like the magic piece of software if you're going to get one of these. Even if you've got a laptop that already has force touch on it, but if you're going to get one of these magic trackpads, you must get better touch tool because it just gives you, it allows you to define it. Just like, I guess you just said that, but it, it's really powerful. Then I just discovered that you can have it uh, pick items from any menu based on their index, which for me, uh, the shortcut in finder, when you right click on something and there's, it says compress and then the name of whatever you clicked on. Yeah. It's driven me nuts because I can't assign a keyboard shortcut because that menu item name changes changes. every time. Yeah. Yeah. Better touch tool lets me say whatever the ninth item is, click that. Yeah. And I just got that working. So now I have a a keyboard shortcut. Command shift option C will compress whatever selected in finder. Well, it's funny because like you, I am a keyboard jockey. I like being able to use keyboard shortcuts to get things done. But once my hand is on the trackpad, I want to get as much done as I can there as oh, well. Yeah. And I'm the um, same way. This have is you great. played with the fact that you can you can have gestures only trigger when you're over the menu bar or over the dock? No, I didn't even realize so, you could do that. Like for me, a three finger swipe down turns on the lights in my office, but a three finger click swipe down opens up my terminal visor. But now I don't need the click swipe, which can be awkward, like where you push three fingers down and pull. Now I can have it. So if the mouse is over the menu bar at the top of the screen and I do a three finger swipe down, it opens visor anywhere else. It turns the lights on and off. Nice. What what are you using for a back end for that three finger swipe down to turn the lights down? Uh, I use Indigo with uh, with an Insteon setup. 
And so what is it triggering a script or what is it doing when you when you well, do- it's it's triggering an Apple script that pings my Indigo server that then sends out a message over my electrical wiring and tr- controls my lights. Nice. We could, we could, you know, that, that was a rabbit hole that I could have easily fallen into right there. Could have totally gone into a home automation (laughs) rabbit hole. So we'll have, we'll have to have, we'll have to have, are you proud of me? I am, but we will have to have Brett back to talk about home automation once we get all of this um, Siri and HomeKit stuff, a little better handle on that. I want to come back and talk about Apple TV too. Oh yeah. Yeah. We got, we got an Apple TV show coming up. That's coming soon. That's coming soon. The um, uh, uh, Magic keyboard so now so it sounds to me like you're going to make the magic trackpad to work magic yes. keyboard you weren't as excited about <laughs> no. I, okay not working over overall i actually I, I find it a great improvement in many many areas i don't it the key travel distance my fingers aren't adjusting to that as quickly as i would like but that's one of those things like the trackpad that i could work with yeah the major change that's killing me is the size of the left and right arrow keys. And for me, arrow keys are essential to my daily computing. And with the full height left and right keys, my fingers no longer have a touch reference point to find the up key in the middle. So I can't hit the up and down. I have, uh, between guitar calluses and some nerve pinching, I don't have finger, I don't have feeling in the tips of my fingers in my right hand. So I can't feel the ridge between up and down. Okay. So the only way I can feel it is because the pads of my first finger and and uh, ring finger touch the top edge of left and right. And then I know where the up key is. I don't have that anymore. It's it's seamless to my fingers now. And that's killing me. Yeah. And um, so many, I was telling you offline, so many programmer friends I know are really, they they rely on the arrow keys a lot. Yeah, it's weird to me how many people don't, they've told me, but okay. Yeah. I don't know how you use a computer without arrow keys. Yeah, even like if you're doing a lot of writing, you're moving the, the cursor a lot. Yeah. The, um, yeah, I, I'll i talk about my thoughts on it. We're going to do a live show and I'll, I'll cover it there. I, I, I don't feel as, um, I don't, it, there seems like to be a lot of animosity towards this keyboard. Maybe because I'm using the uh, the regular MacBook with an even lower travel keys. Uh, I've had no trouble at all adjusting to it, but I, I do feel you with the arrow keys. They are jarring for me as well because I'm not used to them, but I'm getting used to them I'm like you in the trackpad. Uh, so, so Brett, what are some of the applications you're running these days on your um, on your Mac and iOS devices that are getting you excited? Hmm. Well, I <laughs> I switch applications so often. Um I, I guess most of what I've been looking at this week has been Apple TV apps, but okay. Well, let's hear about a few of those. Well, Alto's Adventure on Apple TV yeah. is excellent. <laughs> yeah, well, that that uh, one. I think I recommended that for the Mac. I'm sorry for the iPad and the iPhone at one point, and it's just a it's a perfect fit for the TV because it's just one button. I mean, it's a very simple interface. Yes, it it, it is exactly. It's like it was made for the Apple TV. And the new interfaces for Hulu and Netflix, I'm enjoying quite a bit. They make they make actual use of the uh, touch pad on the new remote, which is awesome. But then uh, on iOS, I actually um, there's a couple free apps that are based on Cards Against Humanity that <laughs> have been very entertaining for me. There's one called Evil Apples that's awesome. Okay. Oh, you know what? I just got my coin 
a couple days ago. Do you know? Have you seen that? Uh, like, I've heard about yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Does it work? It works. I have used it everywhere in town that I've used it. It works. So places that don't take Apple Pay, I can still have one single card and it can do like bump pay and uh, the EFT chip. And I just hit a button. I tap the credit card and it changes which card I'm using. Yeah. Now let's so I can like let's back up and tell people what that is if they're not familiar with it. But it's it's basically it's a credit card, but it allows you to store multiple credit cards in it. Yes. All right. And it, it has all kinds of security features. And if it's out of range, if it's out of Bluetooth range of your phone, it locks. It can't be used for anything. And uh, basically, it's all one button and you just tap to pick which card. And it comes with a card reader that you plug into your phone so you can add cards to it just by swiping them through the reader. And clean out your wallet and just carry one card around. And there are, it's not fully universally accepted yet, apparently, but I haven't found anywhere it doesn't work. So let me ask you this, because here's my issue with the coin. And I don't I don't know if there's a if there's an answer to this yet. But so let's say that I've got it set because, for example, if I'm going to a, a restaurant where a waiter takes my card away from the table, I typically don't use yeah. my credit card. And, and I know that there are protections on I'm, I'm sorry, I typically don't use my debit card because I, I know there are protections on it that you're not liable for fraud and all that. But I still feel better about someone not having access to my bank account. So instead, I use a credit card. So if I if I tap my coin and I I set it to my credit card and I hand it to the waiter and they what's to keep You can lock it. You can okay, I was going to say what's to keep them from from swiping it as something else. Nope, you can lock it when you hand it to them. Okay. How do you lock it? I mean, is it something tap sequence? Okay. Uh, okay. That's smart. Like you can define a custom six tap sequence in Morse code. And uh, and and lock and unlock the card and lock it on a single card. Uh, lock it to a single card if you want to. How much thicker well, is it than a standard credit card? It's not. Yeah. Isn't everybody's tap sequence going to be dun da da dun dun? No. Okay. <laughs> Mine isn't. Okay. <laughs> um, but that's that's what the my phone. I only ever let my phone vibrate. That's what uh, that's what it vibrates in my pocket. Does shaving a haircut two bits? Mine'll be done. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, I was gonna think I was gonna think it was gonna be done, 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 done. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I'd run out of buttons. Yeah. The um well, you know what? I I um I saw that when that was on Kickstarter years ago and I know it's it's been kind of a long and, and hairy yeah. tale of getting the thing released. I, I I am also a backer and I have not received mine yet. Oh. And it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, well, I just kind of gave some money away on something. I'm never going to see it. And I, uh, I had that same feeling and then yeah. mine showed up and I yeah. actually loved it. Yeah. So that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, it did that. take like two years. And now if you want to get one now, you can go to onlycoin.com and they're a hundred bucks. I, I think it was uh, quite a bit cheaper in the, um, I think it was like $50 when I backed it. Yeah. I'll, but anyway, that's kind of dumb. I'll check too. this out. Unrelated, but yeah. still an app. Um, MindMeister, which is my like favorite online mind mapping application. Yeah. They just came out with a dedicated Mac app that adds, uh, it gives you, you know, a web wrapper, but with, uh, uh, Mac like shortcuts and export features, much the way Quip did. Yeah. So Quip and, and MindMeister are both permanently in my doc now and, uh, Meister task. Which is the new thing from MindMeister. I'm a fan of that. I think these companies that have web-based services shouldn't be afraid of putting native apps because I I definitely... I end up just making them in Fluid if they don't, so it's kind of nice. 
Yeah. And, and what is now, you know, Quip is, is like Google Docs. Yeah. But they but store it simpler, somewhere else. Right. They don't well, it's like it, do, it takes away all the cruft from Google Docs. Yeah. So you have a spreadsheet and you have a word processor and you can embed your spreadsheets in your word processor documents and you can use kind of Markdown esque syntax. Like if I type a star and space, it starts a bullet list for me. Yeah. And then you can export and import Markdown. But you don't have to you don't have to care about Markdown. It works as a regular word processor, too, but super simplified, but still with live collaboration and sharing and uh, export any kind of format. And I love Quip. I think it's amazing, especially I, for free. I, I like the look of it better than the look of Google Docs. But oh, yeah. the problem I have is Google Docs is a strange bird for me. It's an app that I use exclusively when I'm collaborating with people. I mean, it's not the only thing I use to collaborate, but if I'm using Google Docs, I am collaborating. But you can log into Quip with your Gmail address. Oh, you can. I didn't know and that. It, it, there's no startup learning curve. So yeah. you can just tell anyone that you want to collaborate with. Oh, just come over here to Quip. Yeah. Uh, super, super easy. Well, we'll have to look into that because that <laughs> I, I've, I've been hearing about it. I've, I've actually heard mixed things. I've heard some people that didn't like it and some people that did both people that I respect so but I, I I love it passionately okay well I need to get in and check it out <laughs> um, but that is nice that you know for a long time the only way you could collaborate um, I guess by a long time I'm talking about recent history <laughs> but I mean the the collaboration tools were best only if in web browsers and now in the last year or two you're starting to see um, collaboration tools that can have native apps and not suck Yes. And um, I think that's only going to get better with time. It's a fine line and it's evolving. But yes, I think it is uh, evolving in a good direction. Yeah. Red Terpstra, thank you for everything you bring to the community. <laughs> I mean, thanks for thanks for letting me talk about it. Yeah, I mean, we uh, I know every day I use probably something that you've had a hand in creating to get my work done. And I bet that's true for a lot of the listeners out there. Everybody head over to Brett Terpstra dot com check out brett's projects we will let you know when uh the next nvl successor arrives so we'll put the word out on the show um and i guess if there's a beta at some point is it going to be an open beta or have you even got to the part of making that decision yet to be determined okay but if you do it would be fair to guess that you'd probably have a list you can sign up for at brettterpster.com you would think so. Yeah. So that, that'd be a place to go and keep an eye on if that's something you may want to do someday. And, um, and, uh, just like, and everybody check out Mark 2.5, like the, even the grammar tools, I think are a good enough reason to, to make the purchase. So, so go check it out and, um, and keep working with that trackpad, Brett. Maybe next time you come, we'll talk about home automation and better touch tool, um, scripts. Because we could probably do an hour and a half on those two subjects. And retraining muscle memory for new keyboards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did I miss anything, Katie? I think we got it. Another packed episode. All right. All right. Well, thank you to our sponsors, 1Password, SaneBox, Gazelle, and Squarespace. If you have any feedback on this, uh, hit us up on Twitter. We are at MacPowerUsers. Um, Katie's at Katie Floyd. I am at MacSparky. Brett is, is at oh. TTScoff. Yes. Okay. With two Fs, I believe, if memory serves. Two Ts, two Fs. Yeah. Uh, okay. And um, you can get show notes over at relay.fm slash MPU. This is show 287. We are sneaking up on 300. We and we have something. We have to have something good for that one. And um, 
And thanks again, Brett Terpstra. We will see you again soon. 